Hi everyone and welcome to Two Words with Taku, my podcast about my love for writing. Today I'm sitting in a cinema and it's going to be a bit loud because there's movies happening around and people coming through, but I'm in a cinema because I'm sitting with an amazing woman who's written a book that's just been turned into a movie. And her name is Melanie Houston and we're going to talk about writing. And guys, this is this is just so spooky and so funny and interesting how I ended up here and I'll explain that as we go along. But um yeah, Melanie, tell us what's happening in your world right now. Like Right. Well, thanks for having me. Um I have, yeah, my first novel, which was published in 2011 and called Berlin Syndrome, has just been turned into a film, mm-hmm. um, and that's out in cinemas this week. So it's been kind of a bit of a whirlwind um, in some ways, though in other ways it's kind of quietly happened in the background of my life while I've been working on other things. Because that was, you wrote it six years ago now. So. Yeah, yeah, it was, and I started writing it probably in about 2005 I think. Are you serious? I yeah. didn't even know so that. So it took me about five years to write the novel. On an, like I was doing other things, I was working and, and that kind of thing and I would take breaks from it but it took me about five years. Okay, uh, so what inspired it? What, how did you end up writing this, this book? There were a couple of things. I was interested in writing about relationships. Um, I was really interested in writing about the power dynamics in relationships and what can go wrong and how that power can swap and change between two people over um, time. Um, and I guess the, the way things change over time is one of the things I've explored in all of my writing. So that's kind of a primary interest for me. Um, so I was interested in that. But I also had an experience where I was at a party once in North Fitzroy and the party went late into the night and I stayed over on the couch and when I woke up in the morning everyone had gone out to breakfast or the guy who owned the house was a tennis coach, he'd gone out to to work and um, there was no one left except me and the door was deadlocked because they'd always just locked it that way as they left and so I realised there I was in an apartment that I couldn't leave. Um, and I could see people across the road at another apartment setting up having a barbecue on their balcony and things. And I thought, do I try and get their attention? But then they're not going to be able to get me out anyway. Yeah. And it's not that serious a problem because I knew someone would come back eventually. Um, but after quite a few hours, I ended up searching through the house and found a key in a backpack and managed to get out of the house. Okay, yes. Um, okay, so for, for we haven't really said what the book or no, the movie is about, yeah. so I guess with that as a sort of an intro, <laughs> what is Berlin Syndrome about? Well, it kind of takes those two things, um, the power dynamics of relationships and being locked in an apartment and puts them together. So yeah. it's a book about a woman who has a one-night stand with a man and all's going well until she realises the next morning that she can't leave. Oh my gosh, that... <laughs> I mean, okay, so I'll explain how I ended up at that film screening. Uh, When I moved from Perth to Melbourne, I stayed in Airbnb, and one of the ladies that I stayed with happened to be the script supervisor on Berlin Syndrome. I had no idea of anything, of anything. And I've moved to come and do TV, media, film stuff. So I just landed her house and then go, what? You're in the film industry? Really? Yeah, I just worked on Berlin Syndrome. So she's showing me photos from the set. Long story short, I'm part of the Writers Guild. They say there's a screening and I go, I have to go. And they go, no, the tickets, there are no more tickets. So I, I'm like, okay, great, no more tickets, wonderful. And then they release some more and I managed to come. Oh, so it was just go. really kind of was weird to be. <laughs> that, yeah, I, I was talking 
talking to her about scripts and so yeah working on that script mm. and just what she did and then I met you and I've gone I, I don't know what I'm gonna do I'm just gonna have to sit <laughs> with her and just and ask her wow this this is really quite fascinating to mm. me how you can have an idea that's come from a lived experience and then you literally see it on screen yeah just like yeah. that yeah Okay, um, so I really am interested in about the process of your creative writing. Um, on Google, it says you've studied. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got a Bachelor of Creative Arts. Yes. Brackets honors. <laughs> and then a Master of, it says, is it? Um, I've got a Master of ed Arts Editing and Edit Communication. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So I, after I finished school, I went to uni and studied creative arts, which was this wonderful course that doesn't run in many universities anymore. And in, as part of it, you had to study four different forms of art. So you had to do theatre, visual art, media, and creative writing. Right. You had to study three of those, and you had to do half your subjects in theory and half in prac work. Okay. So it was meant to give you a good mix of being able to sort of be a critic and be critical of art and know art history and those kinds of things, but mm -hmm. also be able to create and so yeah. yeah, be able to practice art. And so I did mainly photography, um, which features a lot in the book, and creative oh, of course, writing. Yes. Um, uh -huh. And so that's how I kind of ended up. So I did study, though I didn't start the book then. So I studied creative writing. And the brackets honours bit is kind of interesting because I did an honours thesis um, that was all about Virginia Woolf and writing the body um, and looking at the way that women can write about their bodies and mm -hmm. write about being women without being um, kind of objectified. Yeah. And so I think that comes through in a lot of my writing oh, after that. Wow. So, yeah, but then a few years later I went back to um, study and I wanted to become an editor. So mm -hmm. I did a lot of editing subjects and I would say that that probably made me a better writer than any of the creative writing mm -hmm. subjects. I think the creative writing ones gave me license to write, Okay. Um, but the editing ones taught me how to do it well. That, that is so fascinating because I was going to ask you about that, um, you know, formally studying how to be a writer, how to be a creative writer or editing I wanted to find out how it does influence then your work because yeah. it says Berlin Syndrome was your first novel and then you went to win all these awards and and so I'm like oh so is, is actually studying the art of writing or the technical bits of writing like yeah. the editing I think does that inform you know how yeah. you become a better writer I think it does I mean I think the number one thing is to be able to be critical um, of writing in a positive way like to be able to see what works and doesn't work and how to recreate that yourself and so I think you mainly get that through reading mm -hmm. and being able to read in that kind of critical reflective manner mm -hmm. um, I think in terms of the actual creative writing course and workshops work workshopping doesn't work so well for me mm -hmm. I know a lot of writers enjoy getting that feedback straight away and then they'll go back to work on the piece some more mm -hmm. but for me I definitely like to finish something um, because I I work out what I'm writing as I'm doing it as mm -hmm. it comes out on the page and so for me it's no good to have someone critique it when I feel it's still unfinished yeah and yeah. once I feel it's finished then I'm ready to have an editor or someone work with me so mm -hmm. the actual creative writing subjects I think they yeah allowed me to see that writing and novels and poetry and things like that are important and it's worthwhile doing them even mm -hmm. though they don't often bring in any money um, but it was only when I went back to study editing that that really taught me about 
how to create good sentences and mm-hmm. structure and really be a lot more critical of my own work. So, wow. yeah. Okay. And so what, what's the process then? So when, when you have an idea for a story, how, what, you're just on the train, it comes to you, and then you go <laughs> and you write it. Are you, do you write longhand? Do you type it? What, what does um, that actually look it's like? It's changed a bit over time. Berlin Syndrome, the idea sort of came to me and I wrote what ended up being um, the scene where the two characters meet, the scene where she realises she's locked in and um, one of the scenes towards the end and I wrote those quite early on and they didn't change much throughout so the rest of the five years was kind of working out who the characters were and what would Mm -hmm. happen in between but I wrote those longhand in a notebook and I I used to always carry a notebook around and just take notes of little observations and things. And I actually found um, two of my notebooks the other day and could see like some of the original dialogue that still made it both into the book wow. and then into the, the film, which was kind of exciting. But um, it really, I'd change it over time and sort of rework. Um, yeah. And I'm just curious about your stationery because I'm a bit of a... Like, <laughs> if the paper's not right, if the pen's yes. not right, I just it just yeah. doesn't feel... It doesn't feel the same. So what do you what do you like? You I like I use um, this is so so wanky and dorky, no, no. but I use moleskin notebooks. Okay, no, because <laughs> they've just got lovely smooth paper, and I love the ones that have just this um, just sort of a cardboard cover um, because they can sort of tuck into any size bag, and I tend to take them anywhere and just take little notes and um, that sort of thing. And I like a, a proper nice a nice smooth writing pen yeah it's important I so agree. ballpoint or like sometimes ink. ballpoint like if it's a very fine one there's a certain brand i like okay yeah i cannot believe i found somebody i can talk to <laughs> about stationery because my friends go you are nuts they'll give me a pen and i go nah, I don't that, you don't yeah. want the ink kind it's, of coming out and oh, blotting oh and gosh. all sorts of things it yeah. just it just makes <laughs> such a difference it does okay well that's interesting because you touched on some things that i want to talk about a bit later i want to go back to the beginning uh so when you were a kid what kind of things did you read or write? What, yeah, how did you end up here? And, mm. and how did your childhood influence you becoming a storyteller like this? Well, I've read a lot. I've always read a lot. My family are all readers. And I remember as a kid, you know, every two weeks we would go to the library. We would take our bags along and borrow, you know, 10, 15 books each time. We had a cupboard at home that was for the library books and they would just pile up in there so that was kind of one of I've got um, five siblings and we grew up with you know not a lot of money so going off to the library was you know one of the things you could do for free that was Mm -hmm. you know very exciting Um, and at the time I mean I read everything I read when I was in primary school I loved things like the babysitter books the babysitter club Um, and I read a lot of the classics like um, Heidi what Katie did Little Women all those kinds of classics and then I moved on to ones like Jane Eyre and mm-hmm. the Bronte Wuthering Heights. Come you say Jane Eyre. <laughs> yep. Yeah uh-huh. so I have to admit I've always been more interested in books that are written by women and about women um, and I have to consciously make an effort to read more books by men often. That's always been a bit of an influence but I read yeah fairly widely and when I got to university I started reading sort of I guess more experimental um, things and yeah, that kind of probably had a bit of an influence as well. So did you want to be a writer? Or what, what did you want to be when you were studying these things? Or what, was well, your, what were you aspiring to? And is that what you're doing now? Or? I don't know that I ever wanted to be a writer. I was always a reader. 
and I that was I just loved reading and it was only when I kind of got to university and thought I think I went to university thinking that you know I could become a, a, a book reviewer or something like that and I mean I wrote mm. creative stories and poems and things when I was in primary school but I think it was only when I was at university and I started reading more books by Australian women and I realized hang on I could maybe do this I can see how it's put together mm-hmm. I could maybe I could do this mm-hmm. and it was only then that I thought I will try and write a novel so I never thought I, I wanted to be a writer I just thought I want to try and write a book and when I had the idea for this story it was kind of just the challenge of how do I tell this story Okay, and so then what happened? So you wrote the story, and then what? Um, I had done, I'd been working on it for quite a few years and having some breaks on and off, and then at the Melbourne Writers' Festival one year, they were off, they had these masterclass workshops that you could um, apply to do, and I applied to do one with MJ Highland, who was a favourite author of mine, because I just thought she just writes in this really particular manner that's um, very considered and so she was doing so I got into her workshop which was very exciting and you had to submit a single page of something you were working on you had to have a project you're working on and Mm -hmm. she would critique it and give you feedback and then she also did this in the class setting so it was kind of terrifying because (laughs) she um, is quite a fierce critic she's very intelligent and she doesn't hold back and so I went along to that workshop and did that and she was quite encouraging you know Mm -hmm. she did critique it but she also gave me a lot of encouragement and so in that workshop, I actually met someone who worked at a publisher. Oh, and okay. so when I finished the novel, I said to her, who, who do you work with? What agents do you work with? Can mm-hmm. you tell me um, who I should send it to? And she said, I'll get in touch with the fiction editor at our publishing house, um, who then contacted me and gave me a list of agents, but then said, look, send us the manuscript and I'll see if we're interested. And mm-hmm. they were. So oh, that's amazing. Yep. Yeah, so it's really um, lucky. <laughs> yeah. Well, but then is it luck? Because you you chose to go to the Writers' Festival, which yeah. meant you wanted to be around other writers and publishers or that world. And then you did the workshop with someone who you admire. So it's kind of like maybe... I feel like, you, I feel like with writing in Australia, I think if you do... If you write and you've got a good manuscript, like if, you, if you've got a good piece, it will get published. Mm-hmm. Like everyone has a different path, but yeah. I feel like if good work will get picked up in mm-hmm. Australia, I think that's the case. Yeah. And did you for yourself know it was good before you started putting it out versus I, I just want to get it? I think I, I did. I think I was very critical as I was writing it. Um, I was really, I wanted to write something that I would read so mm-hmm. as I worked on it I just kept going until I had something that I couldn't pick holes in myself and that wow. was kind of the main aim so it was only once I was really satisfied with it that I was ready to let it out into the world so I was kind of I knew it was I knew it was readable I knew it was good but I didn't know whether other people would like it because it's so dark yeah, yeah. And and now they do. Apparently. They do. Yeah. They do. Which is a bonus. <laughs> oh, I, okay, so guys, I watched this movie and I did not know what to expect. Like mm. I told you that night, I 
I don't think I'd actually even read the blurb really. I'd just seen the Max guy, the main character. I was like, yeah, he's cute. Yeah, yeah. okay, I'll go. And I had no idea. There were times I literally almost screamed out because <laughs> it was just like, wow. But it was brilliant. It was so beautifully shot. Yes. And such a... I, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. So then to come out of that and then hear you talk about how you... Um, experienced your own words on screen sort of being different to you know in mm. some parts to what you wrote that was really interesting because for me as well I'm writing stories that I want to see translated mm-hmm. in that way and it's like wow then you can be surprised by your own work or you can yes. you can have a different experience to what you think is in your brain and how yes. others put it out there um, so tell us what you thought of the movie for people who went there that night. What are your well, thoughts? How, you, how do you feel? It's kind of it? interesting because with a book, it's pretty much you work with an editor and they will have some influence and they might make suggestions to you of how to change something or say, oh, look, this bit doesn't quite make sense. You know, can you fix that? But a film's a lot more collaborative. And I, mean, I wasn't involved in making the film and so I only saw it late in the stage I did see a couple of early scripts um, and gave some feedback but I wasn't involved in the the creating of it and so seeing it up on screen like I found some bits quite confronting um, <laughs> and partly it was things it was my characters doing things that I had never written them to do so mm-hmm. that was quite strange to see and being a bit different to how I imagined them um, mm-hmm. but looking very similar and but part of it also was that when writing a novel I think you don't have to um, you don't have to make an actor um, perform these acts of brutality that I that you see up on screen you mm-hmm. kind of are asking the reader to do that in their mind and they can do that as actively or passively as they want and mm-hmm. might kind of just think about it briefly and move on but um, I think it's yeah, so it was quite. I found it quite confronting to see the characters up there doing some of the things I described. Though, yeah, possibly it's a bit more um, uh, physically brutal in the movie than it is in the book. Mm-hmm. And what was the process of going, you know, from having the book published to now having the movie made? Uh, so what happened was that at the Melbourne Film Festival each year they have a day where I think it's called Books on Screen and Books on Film, perhaps. And publishers, um, book publishers and film producers go along and do almost like a speed dating event where mm-hmm. book publishers pitch and go, here are these books that we published last year that we think would make great films. And from what I've heard, producers um, are really interested in that because when they're trying to get money to create a film, um, if there's a book there with a complete story, that kind of give, gives more confidence to investors that mm-hmm. there is something to be made. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's just an idea, then say, yeah. oh, I've got an idea for a script and oh, I still yeah. have to write it the script and all of yeah. that. Whereas if you've got a book, mm-hmm. then it's kind of right. It's got a beginning, a middle and an end. Yes. It's, we can see how that could be become a film. So it's much easier to get, I think, interest in investment. So it kind of works really well mm-hmm. for both parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they took, my publisher took the um, book along and pitched it. And there were a few um, companies who were interested, but Aquarius Films were the ones that were most passionate um, about making that story. So they're the ones we went with. So did you get to pick? Did you have I did. Much? Oh, you yeah. did? Yeah, I did. Wow. So, do they like what do they do? Do they try and woo you? They what's the they what's send, that process um, like? No, not really. They just sent <laughs> a um And that's a mess, hey, wanna yeah, make your movie. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um different degrees. Some of them just sort of 
um, said they were interested, um, but Aquarius sent a full sort of treatment describing oh, like okay. what they, they saw as the film and who mm-hmm. they who they imagined casting and who they imagined directing and how that they would kind of pitch it to audiences and that sort of thing. So. Yeah, they seem to really get the material. Uh And so now looking at what they've produced and made, is it what you thought? Is it better? Um, Not as good? Like what it? It's different. It's different. It's it comes from the same um, the the same concept, but I think it's kind of diverged quite a bit. And I can see why. I Mm -hmm. think the book is very internal. It spends all of its time in the mind of the two characters, and that's really difficult to translate. Mm-hmm. on the screen and so I think that they had to make a lot of decisions about how to visualise a lot of these emotions and things that the characters were thinking mm-hmm. um, and I think that has changed the course of of the film a bit so I think the film is probably more focused on the captivity and the book's more focused on the relationship oh okay that's interesting yeah. that you say that mm-hmm. alright so if we're going to talk about character oh. development mm-hmm. how do you start with your characters um i've i've recently been going through some mentoring as well about Mm -hmm. writing fiction and so my mentor said okay well ask all these questions before you even start the story like what does this person want what are they doing and and i used to think oh the character has you know a big afro and this and that it's like no but that stuff doesn't matter it's the it's the it's the deep stuff. What's what really annoys them? What yes. why, what's their relationship with this person or their beef with this person? And I've found that when I start asking these questions about these characters, stuff comes out that I, that surprises me all yes. the time. And then I don't always use that information mm-hmm. when I'm writing, but now it's like I know this person and I know why they're pissed off, or I know why mm-hmm. they're thinking that, and then it has changed how I write completely so I'm fascinated about your process for character development what do you do how does it well I would say whoever's mentoring you is giving you very good advice Ah, (laughs) the main thing I always think about is for me a story is about a character and the character has to desire something Mm -hmm. and it the story is about whether they get or don't get that thing that they want Mm -hmm. and that kind of to me can sum up just about any any story that Mm -hmm. I find interesting so I had to think about what the different characters what did they want what did they know that they want or what did they even perhaps not quite know but they sort of their actions sort of show that they they were trying to get this thing and so for each of them it was that they wanted some form of relationship Mm -hmm. but what kind of relationship and what kind of love were they looking for Mm -hmm. Um, so I think yeah I would go and ask a lot of questions I would write um, a lot of scenes the book all of my work it's never written chronologically I just often write scenes so I would just have a starting point and see where that scene kind of went and then Mm -hmm. it may or may not make it into the final um, the final version Um, so sorry just to go on to that so so you mean you know they're gonna meet let's say in this they're gonna meet and then they just do different things and then you just sort of swish them around toward them pretty much I mean the one of the biggest differences between the book in the film is that the book is not chronological mm-hmm. so the first scene in the book is um Angie and Claire in the apartment together and she's waiting for him to come home he comes home and so it's only as you get towards the middle of the book that you realize that 
the door is locked and you realize that this is not a normal relationship okay so yeah so there were a lot of so there's a lot of scenes in the book of the two of them in the apartment together doing different things like to entertain themselves or you know arguing with one another or not arguing and Mm -hmm. so there's so I had them doing a lot of different things Mm -hmm. that and also because it's a small space and so much of the book is in their minds I had to really think about how to animate that and make them do physical things within the apartment okay Um, but yeah I think I'm terrible at describing characters in all of my work I found this out when I was writing non-fiction work and I was interviewing people and I had to sort of write a little physical description of the person yeah for the reader and I'm so bad at yeah, it I and I, I just is it that you can it? see them as well so I know I can see them so now that I can see them I don't really want to write about what they look like that's I want right. to write about what they're doing yeah. and what they're feeling that's yeah. way more interesting or I'm finding now also the story is is the reaction action um, dynamics between the two characters rather than necessarily where they are yeah. I mean I know in your situation they're in the apartment and, and that was brilliant how that was described and shown but if they're, if they're having you know like words the words and that vibe is more important than oh yeah. they sat right next to the blue bookshelf with the dots on it and that's the, right and like, it's a tricky balance because you kind of the words can be really important but also if you've just got that dialogue your reader starts to think well what are they doing you know mm-hmm. are they standing are they sitting down does he reach over to touch her does she how does she react and so yeah trying to describe those movements is also sometimes a bit difficult because you constantly have characters you know pausing to have a drink or to do something just to break up the dialogue mm-hmm. and make it seem more natural make it real yeah um and with with your writing do you get into flow like, you know how people talk about flow. Um, I've done it where I'll just sit and I make myself sit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't want to go make a cuppa and do mm-hmm. all that stuff that we do. Um, and then I'll just write. Yes. And then after that, I'll do the spell checks. And yes. Whatever, because I find if I start doing that as I'm writing, I just don't write. Everything's a bit staccato because no, yeah. oh, no crap so do you have that or yeah what does I that tend to like? do that I know some people my partner's also a writer and he writes in a much more kind of considered fashion where mm-hmm. he's sort of edits as he goes and mm-hmm. so he ends up with a first draft that was much more complete whereas I tend to just sit down and write yeah and I might get 1,000 2,000 words yeah. and have a scene but mm-hmm. then I'll have to go back and work over it until I'm happy with the way it sort of reads but yeah I tend to definitely get into have big bursts and what do you do when you have writer's block uh well or have you have you is it something you can find tune these days no I mean I think it's if anything I have it well I don't know that I have I I don't write at the moment to be honest I don't I haven't written much since my last novel I've written a few essays and things Mm -hmm. um over the last few years, I've been swapping between writing a novel and writing non-fiction essays, and that mm-hmm. was a good balance, because when one wasn't really working, the other one mm-hmm. was. Um, but yeah, I have, I've not started a new novel yet, so I'm in the nice period of just reading books and not having that feeling that I should be writing. So. Yeah, because when it comes, it just kind of simmers and kind yeah. of, and then, yeah, you'll know when it's time to write again. Yeah. I think I've started learning that as well, not to force it, because yeah. sometimes I feel guilty, like, oh, I should be writing, and then I'll, I'll say, oh, I'll give myself the week to write it or finish this, and then I never do it. Yeah. And then in a burst of inspiration, I will cut out everybody and just 
do it in one in one sitting. Yeah, so I think a lot you, of writing happens when you're not at the desk. Mm-hmm. I think that you need those times of not actively working on it for your unconscious mind to kind of figure things out and so that then you suddenly go oh I've yeah. got it and I and I've, mm-hmm. I know what I, I need to write and then you can get back and do it so I've become a lot more conscious of that I think and also over the last couple of years trying to write the novel that I was writing it was really difficult to write and which one is this one now it's so. a new novel I've got coming out next oh, month okay yeah and that one yeah it was really hard to write I had a lot of negative feedback about it when I was first writing it and so I found that really hard to to take on board but I just had to get that feeling back that it was a story I wanted to write and mm-hmm. I just had to work on it till I got it right and, mm-hmm. and not think about what other people might make of it yeah. um, but it was a long hard slog <laughs> okay what's that yeah. one about um, it's called gravity well and it's a bit of a tricky one to talk about because a bit like Berlin Syndrome, the major dramas that happen in it sort of uh, um, change the reader's perceptions and only happen about halfway. Through. Oh, okay. So yeah. I kind of tend to talk about it as it's a it's about a friendship between two women and what happens in the aftermath of a tragedy that they experience. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> That's enough. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. Okay. Wow. I really, I really like. There's just something about you and your books and that I like that you seem so chill, like so, so normal. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, like, and then, because I mean, you know what they say, sometimes writers, I mean, there's so many different kinds of people and all sorts, but I don't know what it is about you that I really went, ah, I'm curious about you. And I think because also you've studied writing or you've studied the editing side, um, because I, I think I mentioned I do technical writing mm-hmm. as well. So that's also, you know, chopping up words, mm. the editing, um, copy, all of that. So I'm fascinated by words. I love yeah. words. I love sentences. I love seeing how they come together, how people use them. So I think that's probably what it is because I can I can relate. I mean, we talked about the stationary thing. Yeah. That's part of even the, the experience of of reading so at the moment guys we've got both of her books the first one from 2011 and the version that's come out with the movie so from a technical point of view now I'm looking at this going okay I can see why they did this because if you're traveling at the airport and you just want to go this makes more sense and then the cover and so everything to do with how your words are packaged is very interesting to me Mm. and yeah congratulations really (laughs) It's very inspiring. Very, very inspiring. Um, All right. Let me see what else I needed to ask you. Oh, yeah. What are your favorite books? Or what what book do you always go back to? What book have you read more than three times in your life? Um, Well, The Accidental by Ali Smith is one of my favorite books. I've read that quite a few times. She's an amazing Scottish writer who has written a number of books and they're all she plays with language a lot and they're very very clever um i love zadie smith's writing Mm -hmm. Um, i think on beauty is a favorite book Um, and nw i think that's absolutely brilliant it's one of her best best books i think um some other favorites I read this brilliant one a couple of years ago called The Year of the Runaways by Sanjeev Sahota and it was about 
mainly men, Indian men living and making a life in London. And I found that really interesting. It was just one of those books that I read and felt so completely immersed in the world. And I think that's sometimes quite rare. Okay. Um, yeah. That's very interesting. All right. Well, I'll, I'll put those on the little blog post as well, just mm-hmm. as links for people. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's it. I mean, I've got lots of other questions, <laughs> but... Um, Oh, actually, I was going to ask you, how has your writing evolved since 2005 or 11 when mm-hmm. you first did this, when you first published Berlin Syndrome to now? Mm. How do you feel you as a writer or your work has evolved? Well, it's evolved quite a lot in that the second book I published was actually nonfiction. It's this one here. It's called okay. A Long Time Coming. Oh, and beautiful. it's a series of essays about old age. So I based it on interviews with people in their 70s and 80s. And because in my other life, I work, I studied social work and I work um, with older people. And so these are all essays that are about different ways that old age can be made difficult by the way society treats older people. Um, And yeah. It's a beautiful book. It's a lovely, yeah. And it was a real labor of love, that book, because I kind of just started the essays because I met these people who had stories that I wanted to tell. So I think my writing has changed a lot in that I went from writing something very internal about things that I was interested in Mm -hmm. um, and that affected me to this book of essays about, you know, people that are from very different generations and different lives but you know it's also quite selfish because I hope that I'll be that age one day yeah so yeah quite different um yeah oh they're beautiful I'm gonna take photos as well (laughs) so you'll be able to see them and then buy them I'll put links up and what about do you find it easy to work on multiple projects at the same time or multiple stories uh yeah when they're quite different I think it was good to work on the essays while I was also writing the novel because when the novel got too difficult or too bogged down then I kind of could go and interview someone for the essays or do some research and so it was good to swap between the projects Um, it's part of the reason that I don't write full-time I mean it's not financially viable but also by having a job I feel that I give myself that that is how I earn the money and then I can spend my time writing and there's not the pressure to get something finished for a deadline in order to get paid so and you can enjoy it a lot more yeah Yeah. I I feel the same as well because people go what are you doing this weekend I go um stuff I don't actually say I'm I'm gonna sit for hours and write and and just be happy and content and full uh, so yeah, I really, I do understand that. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on this oh, podcast. It, it has been amazing to learn from you and to hear more about your story. And I wish you the best with everything. And guys, you can follow my adventures with the podcast at taku.com.au and you can find Melanie at. Are you on Twitter or? Yes, you I'm are, on Twitter under Melanie Yostin, and I've got a website melanieyostin.com that I kind of put up events and things that I'm doing. So. Okay, great. I will put all those links for you. And most importantly, go and see this movie. Mm-hmm. It is a... Th- have they classed it as a thriller? I think so, yeah. Okay, so it is a thriller. So it's for grown-ups. <laughs> and um, do you know what? I highly recommend it. I do. Even if you don't like thrillers, go with a friend. You will <laughs> Make sure you put someone to his hand you hold. <laughs> you will enjoy it. All right. Thanks for listening to Two Words with Taku and have a fabulous day. See you next time. <laughs>